Hello and welcome to Understanding Emotions. My name is Sankalp. In this episode, we are going to talk about meditation. And I have, uh, if you've watched this show for long enough, I've been a proponent of meditation. There's this one video I made about uh, how to start meditation and the lessons I've learned about from a decade of meditation. But in this video, what I'm going to talk about is some of the risks and pitfalls of meditation. Um, and some of the things that we need to be careful about when we are considering meditation. A lot of times in pop culture, meditation is promoted as this hunky-dory, there's no problem, this is just beautiful kind of thing. And um, the risks with meditation as far as daily 5-10 minute meditation goes is minimal. But things really start to ramp up and it becomes a very serious thing um, if you're taking retreats, if you're doing retreats. Or indeed, if you're even doing it at home, but you're doing it more intensively or you're doing it um, instead of solving some other problem. So we're going to go in depth into these in, into these questions. We're going to um, really do a deep dive. And this podcast is really going to help you, hopefully, if you are someone who might be experiencing some adverse effects of meditation and I'm going to try and lay a, a blueprint of sorts uh, of various possibilities of uh, what can go wrong with meditations. Now, of course, I'm not going to uh, do a whole taxonomy of different experiences and uh, so on. But really, I'm going to talk about some broad categories that uh, meditation might go wrong with. And so if you are intending to start meditation, especially intensive meditation, then hopefully this will help. Um and uh, indeed, if you're on the other side and you might have been experiencing some problems with meditation, uh, then this uh, this hopefully will be helpful. Um, the problem with talking about this thing is you don't get this information where you should get it. You don't get this information, let's say, in retreats or let's say with meditation teachers. When you go to retreats, when you go to meditation teachers, uh, they might just say that this is the best thing ever and if anything goes wrong, it's really your problem. And I'm here to tell you that's absolutely not the case. Um, I have been meditating for very long and um, I've also been a student of psychology. And I can clearly see that a lot of times what passes as meditative experiences uh, are could be actually health problems and could be adverse health problems. So that just a bit of a teaser there and I'm going to go really deep into it. Um, and... Um, hopefully lay the map of what can go wrong. Um, so let's begin. And let's begin by first having this overarching sense of, uh, I'm looking I'm looking there because I have my notes there. So hopefully, uh, if you're listening to this on audio only, by the way, I'm making this effort to make this podcast uh, video and audio. So while at this point, it's just me with a talking head and there's not much of a difference between the video and the audio, um, eventually, hopefully, we'll have guests on the show. We'll have uh, camera angles and so on. So um, uh, if, if you don't know, it's, it's going to be on YouTube and you can just type my name in and find this. Uh, most of this podcast audience is on audio and indeed this episode is going to be more or less audio friendly. Um, but if you're watching to me on video and if you see my gaze going on the side, um, that's because I'm, I'm looking at my notes here. All right. So... The first thing to um, clarify is none of this is supposed to be I'm against meditation. And then the second is the reason why I'm making this video is because I listened to this set of well done, I would say, 
podcast called untold the retreat and this podcast explores the dark side of meditation the stories in which meditation has gone wrong in the context of a specific um meditation organization and the specific style of retreat that this organization offered offers so this organization since it's all named i don't mind saying the names and um i'll also tell you my relationship with this organization so this is uh, the the these this podcast untold uh unheard something like i'm going to put the link down there uh the retreat i listened to this a couple of weeks ago um on the suggestion of a friend and it talks about uh the meditation experiences of people undergoing so called goenka style retreats or goenka guruji style retreats if you're in india guru just means teacher um and um these are retreats uh, in which the form of meditation that's taught is mindfulness meditation or vipassana meditation and um in general it has a very positive image the prime minister of india himself uh paid a tribute to this teacher sn goenka uh goenka is no more uh he passed away but uh, he his organization still offers retreats and the retreats are offered in a style of uh his teachings including his own recordings and so on and i personally have done plenty of retreats with this organization and i will have things to say about that so this podcast untold um the retreat from the financial times uh explored the negative side of what happens uh in these retreats and i encourage you to have a look at this especially if you've struggled with um uh, meditation in this um in this particular organization um but today's podcast i'm not necessarily just focusing on this organization but i'm trying to paint a broader picture of what can um a, a landscape of where i think um there can be serious troubles and risks uh, as far as meditation practice goes so so to start with um first thing to mention would be um when when i say risks of meditation these risks largely come from a little bit of intensive meditation so now this meditation could be in the context of retreats and that certainly is intensive meditation so for people who don't know uh, what meditation retreats are um these are retreats of from anywhere from 3 days length all the way up to 60 days length 10 days a week um is something that is very common where beginners go especially in the shorter ones to learn meditation and that teaching is done in a very specific context in which you are most likely not speaking for 7 to 10 days you are eating one meal a day you are waking up at 4 a.m. and meditating for 10 to 12 hours a day um you you don't have any social contact you are not allowed to read anything you are not allowed to have anything with you like a magazine or your headphones or anything like that and the idea there is you're just with your mind for the the number of days for which the retreat lasts so 10 days being the most common i have done 3 4 of those um so i have a fair amount of experience in my belt um and so really where meditation goes wrong is in this sort of a context where um people are doing it for so long and people are doing it for um an extensive period of time now this is not to say that the problems that i will talk about um will not happen in a context of intensive retreats uh, and indeed there are certain reports and stories that you will hear of 
just um, a few minutes a day or I think more closer to hours a day. So if you're doing something relatively on the intense side, even at home, uh, there could be a problem. Um, so I'm going to talk about the problems that can arise from meditation. So broadly, I have classified the problems that can come through meditation into three categories. One is the psychological set, but this is really psychological in brackets. Um, oh, boy, good luck. So if you're seeing this on video, uh, I'm having some fancy uh, things happening on screen. Um, anyway, so the first one is the psychological side of um but really, these are physical problems. So although they have an effect on mental health, uh, the problem here is uh, physical. The problem here is um, something like sleep deprivation. So that's category number one. The category number two is psychological, but this is more on the mental health side of things. So this is encompasses things like having a psychological breakdown, panic attacks, um, dissociations, and more uh, psychotic style of episodes. I'm going to cover them soon. And the third third category of risks here um, is um, psychological risks, but more on the side of um, uh, so something like this is part of a cult, let's say. Uh, so in this case, it's more of a socio psychological risk where um, you are doing meditation, but really what's happening is you're part of this organization and your ways of thinking are being shaped by this organization. And then you have this um, cult-like affiliation with this organization that anything, uh, any evidence that you might hear uh, which is opposing this particular organization um, is just discarded. You're just not uh, able to see something that is contradictory or see something that is um, detrimental or see something that is that is morphed. So you're not able to take anything against the belief system of this organization and meditation somehow very sadly has plenty of these organizations and in the more extreme scenarios you'll see all of these uh, gurus and all of these teachers commit acts of sexual violence against their own students and uh, they claim to be have this word from god and they claim to have superpowers and some in some cases they create their whole countries and that kind of thing has happened um, or at least um, groups and organizations. So this will be more on the cult side of life and I'm going to talk a bit about that. So let's let's uh, walk through them step by step, starting with, let's start with the physical because that seems to be the most straightforward one to explain. Uh, it seems to be uh, something that most people will understand. So this, uh, so I'm going to speak in the context of meditation retreats, and I'll trust you to understand that while we are talking about retreats, it can still apply to the day-to-day -day situation, but perhaps to a lesser extent. And so I'll leave you to do the arithmetic of how much this applies to you and to what extent uh, it might apply to you. Um, all right. So let's talk about physical problems that arise as a result of meditation, and the number one thing you need to know about meditation is often in retreats uh, you are placed on a fairly austere lifestyle so what's happening number one is your sleep cycle is completely disturbed most retreats that i know start early in the morning uh, the going style retreats start at 4 or 4 30 or something like that uh, 
is when you wake up and do your first sitting um and look it is actually quite enjoyable sometimes to have that peace of the night and uh that serenity that 4am often brings with itself um but the problem there is uh, most people when you go to retreats probably are not on that 4am cycle uh they are probably um not on that sleep cycle and most likely they are at least a couple of hours deviated if not more and if someone is a night owl then that could be a complete phase shift so i personally am a night owl and i wake up at the minimum after 9 or 10 in the morning and in that sort of a scenario i'm like uh that that is a whole big phase shift of 6 to 7 to 8 to 9 to 10 hours um and so what's happening here is the problem that might happen as a result of that phase change is going to be sleep deprivation and we know that sleep itself has a lot of downstream consequences on mental health it has a lot of downstream consequences on indeed physical health um so once you have that sleep deprivation for one day or for two days um then you will notice uh problems you'll notice ill health um and this this steps into a bit of the social psychological part but often times you may be told that these problems are coming as a result of your meditation like there are these some past deep traumas or some uh defilements is a common word that's used that are just coming on the surface whereas all that's happening is um you're sleep deprived and uh no amount of meditation is going to solve it so a solution often so if you ask this question you may be like i'm distressed and you go to the teacher the teacher might just be like hey maybe this is a natural part of meditation and it might as well be uh but it may not be and it could be sleep deprivation and the solution might be just hey you know, meditate more be more mindful um this is all in your mind and this is like suffering is a part of the mind which is all true but it's not accurately diagnosing what the problem was um add to that particularly on the sleep deprivation point is you often don't have enough sunlight in meditation retreats because your eyes are closed for 10 hours a day so you wake up at a time where there is no sunlight then you're often in a secluded meditation room or in a closed meditation room and that's where you do not have enough uh sunlight going in through your um through your eyes and we do know that sunlight regulates the production of cortisol and your circadian rhythm in general and so as a result it's not a surprise if one does not feel good as a result of this phase shift now this need not apply to everyone who attends a retreat of course because some people might be early risers they might be waking up at 5 or 6 normally and then it may not be that big of a difference to shift it by 1 or 2 hours but if someone is not uh, in that particular rhythm then they will notice the effects of this phase shift and often in meditation retreats this effect will be um somehow squished under the banner of um the part of the meditation process where it may or may not be true um other other sorts of uh, physical ailments can be things like uh, an absence of complete nutrition so i think most meditation retreats will serve you vegetarian food and if you are not uh, particularly um well stocked up on your b vitamins in your body uh, you're not going to have those b vitamins for 10 days so if you have that underlying predisposition uh, that can have a problem like i had this problem so in one of the retreats i did 
uh, after the retreat, I basically ended up in a psychiatric, uh, uh, not not hospital per se, but uh, with a psychiatrist. Um, so I was not admitted. And um, digging deeper after months and months, one thing we realized was it was actually just a predisposition with some uh, nutritional deficiencies. Um, so my approach of just like, let's go harder, let's meditate more and let's get through this was not an optimal one. Because at that time, I was lacking vitamin D in my body. It's a very common deficiency. So you could have these predispositions. Another common one is um, a, a gut microbiome problem. A lot of mood comes from your gut uh, microbiome. And if you have taken something like antibiotics prior to the retreat, then that would have wiped out your uh, good bacteria. And as a result, it may have effects on mood. Uh, which you may not attribute it to that, but in fact attribute it to the meditation itself or some problem within you even worse. Uh, whereas it might be a bacterial thing going on in your gut microbiome. So there could be like n number of problems. And so that's why I want to summarize this category as you may have some physical problems either on the retreat or there could be a predisposition of certain problems coming in. Uh, for example, a vitamin D deficiency. And that combined with this extreme sunlight deprivation for a number of days can trigger a cascade of mental health problems um, which will not be caught as physical health problems but will be caught, at, caught um, as um, something to do with your meditation which may or may not be true. Um, the solution to that, unfortunately, uh, will step into the second category very soon uh, but unfortunately, the solution to that tends to be very hard because if you are in the retreat context or even if you are at home but are listening to meditation teachers, very few meditation teachers will actually talk about your nutrition being the problem. They will uh, interpret it as a psychological problem as that's their bias, that's their uh, job. Um, and in fact, even this actually generally applies for mental health. A lot of times when you go to psychiatrists or you go to, um, let's say, therapists, no matter what problem you present, their bias towards understanding that problem will be something to do with mental health. So they might do thought work, but they might ask you about childhood, so on and so forth. But they would not ask about your nutrition. They would not ask about how well you're eating. So if you have had fried food yesterday, chances are high that if you feel very bad today, uh, it at least contributes, if not is the sole cause. So this is a general problem that a lot of mental health problems are passed on as mental health problems, but really, under the hood, they are physical health problems. And they are nutrition problems, or they are lack of movement problems. So if you are uh, curling in the bed the whole day, do not expect to feel good and complain about your mental health. So while it is true that there are effects on mental health uh, coming from physical health problems, uh, the cause of it was physical and uh, most of day-to-day um, -day mental health, in my personal opinion, this is not science, comes from not having good nutrition and good physical, take not taking very good care of your physical body. Uh, and as a result, there are psychological problems. Um, all right. So let's step into the second category. And this second category is about psychological problems that come as a result of social influences in the meditation center uh, and this will speak directly to the financial times um, coverage of the goenka retreats which i tend to largely agree with 
So, um, so what happens in a meditation retreat is you're part of this social indoctrination, so to speak. So you are told what is good. You're told what is um, as they should because they're teaching you a new technique, right? So you will get a signal of what is good and it will also explain to you some problems that are very natural that come as a result of meditation. So one thing that the teacher might tell you is, hey, look, it's quite common that by day three or day seven, people get this urges to leave. And that is indeed common and does occur as a result of meditation practice. They will also tell you you might have other unpleasant emotions and unpleasant sensations, which are which is also true that it does happen as a consequence of just sitting in with your mind for that long. Um, I think where this goes wrong is when any other... So now when one does have a problem, they justify it to themselves that this is a part of the practice. And... Perhaps more seriously, even the teachers and the volunteers justify to themselves that this is a part of the practice. And this includes physical ailments. This includes like a knee pain, whereas a knee pain might be coming from sitting down for that long, not exactly the meditation per se. Um, and, you know, in trivial quantities, in uh, decent quantities, it's actually helpful because it does help you develop a resilience against physical and emotional discomforts. But what if it is not a result of that. And the problem is, if it's not, and if you have some predisposition, you have some mental health issues from the past, you have some physical predispositions, or nothing really, just sleep deprivation, there could be a number of reasons. What if what if the problem is not a healthy consequence of meditation, despite being unpleasant? So one category of unpleasant emotions and sensations is a good thing, because it helps you develop resilience. It's It's like your discomfort that you feel at the end of exercise a lot of times doing high intensity work is it's quite horrible and it feels awful and sometimes you throw up but you still know that this is part of the practice and you still know that this is um, um not harmful it's it's part of the deal whereas everything that happens uh which is a problem can be classified as a natural part of the practice where that might absolutely not be the case and indeed the financial times podcast documents this heartbreaking case of uh, someone who ultimately killed themselves at the end of the retreat whereas they did multiple times sought support from the teachers and they were just told that this is a result of the practice which is absolutely devastating um and this is where it well, while I don't agree with the podcast there is that this particular organization is super cult-like, there's clearly cult-like elements here, but uh, this particular organization does emphasize critical thinking enough for me to not particularly be worried of it as a cult, but um, there could be this uh, belief system in within any organization uh, that teaches meditation about what what is the interpretation of problems and what is the interpretation of mental health problems indeed. And that interpretation can be severely outdated or it can be severely mistaken and severely ignorant. They, they don't have any clue of mental health uh, and it, it may not be it may not be a good justification they have for why someone is facing a certain problem, even if the problem is very serious. So 
in this social realm the social problems another problem is there often is no stop button so there is no condition under which you should stop meditating and there's no condition in which you should terminate there is no exit there is no a way out and so the context becomes that anything that happens uh there is no condition in which it's acceptable to stop and that is a big problem because again as i said the problems could be coming from a meditation practice but it could be coming from n number of other things so there is no clear clarity on where the stop button is and there's no clear clarity on when you should seek that stop button not only for the students themselves but for the teachers and here is where i'm worried about the teachers and the volunteer community where most more often than not the person who is struggling will seek support and again be it in retreat context or be it at home most of the time they will seek support but the problem is the first encounter they have with the volunteer in the retreat or with the teacher the teacher will effectively gaslight them into thinking that this problem is coming from meditation and this is where the cult light aspects becomes really huge and this is where now just replace uh that justification for the problem with anything it could be something as extreme as a sexual favor and indeed that's again a very sad reality of the social risks of meditation where people do fall into these charismatic spiritual leaders who end up being sex offenders because while they might as well be great meditators that doesn't necessarily mean that they are ethical people in and of itself and um that doesn't mean that they don't have their own flaws but but the what the mind of someone who is seeking meditation is probably vulnerable they are in a space in life where things are not the best and then they are going to these retreats seeking a lot of hope and seeking a lot of um there's a lot of lot of trust that they put in these leaders and then of course you feel kind of good you feel supported in this community and now slowly you might fall into this trap of this cult like personality who who is just um unethical beyond a point so might be a great teacher might be a great meditator but uh, might be sexually deprived and might be um doesn't know some how to handle their sexual desires and consent and doesn't doesn't know these things or indeed um ethics with your teacher and student and that kind of relationship which is a completely different ball game than teaching meditation and teaching how to focus on your breath um and of course there is no shortage of spiritual teachers who claim themselves to be god men um and claim to have some special superpowers and that is uh, obviously a problem there and a lot of people who go to these teachers might experience some joy might experience some relief and then they might incorrectly attribute um, supernatural powers to these leaders so that is another serious risk as far as meditation goes that if you're entering the meditation space this chances are high that you are do you have some problem that we have some vulnerability that you want to address and that state of mind coupled with this social influence and this isolated echo chamber can um 
sort of um, make you consumed with it and you might lose your critical thinking there a bit um so the solution to this would be critical thinking and to know that you know your opinion matters and the way you feel you do have the best understanding of what's happening in your within your body and as as a way of solution i would urge you to even if you go to meditation retreats is to keep that center within yourself of critical thinking and of knowing that you know what's happening in your body the best um and uh, oftentimes these um, these uh, volunteers or meditation teacher teachers as well intentioned as they may be may not have the physical and mental health understanding to handle such a such a complex problem so that's that's the um that's the social social side um where you might be influenced in this by this guru or this charismatic leader uh and you might form this echo chamber of beliefs um as a side note this is the same mechanism of political polarization um we end up in some political camp and then uh through social media or just by virtue of who you meet you are reinforcing certain beliefs of yourself and not getting exposed to contrary views um and as a result you might form this echo chamber of what's right and ultimately uh what's good but it might just be informed by a set of homogenous beliefs and um you might just end up thinking that the right is bad or the left is bad or so on and so forth uh whereas um what might be happening is you're just getting trapped in what's called as group think in social psychology which is uh, you're just conforming to the group and not really um understanding reality fully um so this is a good time to talk about the third problem that can arise as a result of meditation and the third risk and that risk is what i'm calling um more on the classic mental health side so this could be psychotic episodes as a result of intense meditation um and so if you have problems along this lines then i think the best way would be to stop but again just my opinion uh i would obviously encourage you to consult your doctors if you know you have any predisposition like that to consult if you should go to meditation retreats and if you feel like you're going to miss out i'm going to talk about that in a bit um and if you're inside then i would encourage you to have your own sense of what's healthy for you and no matter how much the teachers or the volunteers might just ask you to stop and think of uh, i know in the goenga retreats uh, it's it's shunned down if you are leaving meditation midway and again there are some good reasons for it but the reasons may not trump the risks sometimes and uh, i would invite you to make that final assessment not anyone else um so the other thing is a lot of people go to meditation retreats thinking that it is a tool for stress relief thinking that or just any outcome for that matter thinking you'll be more focused thinking you'll be more determined thinking you'll be more lighter and all of this could be benefits of meditation but they are not the purpose of meditation and this discrepancy between what to expect and what people generally expect and what meditation is is responsible for a lot of suffering in the meditation world most people think of meditation as a tool to get some sort of an outcome and so if you want to get focused then yeah you meditate at home for 5 minutes you feel a bit focused and then you might be like ah what 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 must it be like to meditate for 30 minutes 1 hour 10 hours 
and that might take you to a retreat uh but that that's unfortunately not how meditation works the purpose of meditation is not to achieve any outcome if you are doing any mental jujitsu with the intention of um getting any outcome then you're not meditating then you're self hypnotizing and it has its place self hypnosis is awesome and i may do a podcast about it sometime soon but then you're not meditating you are engaging in self hypnosis meditation on the other hand especially mindfulness meditation is just observing what is happening just observing reality as it is without this is the key part without wanting it to be any different so if you are facing pain then the point of mindfulness is to observe that pain and to understand the reality of that pain so you may notice that the pain is flickering you may notice that the pain is impermanent you may notice that the pain grows and shrinks and as a result you develop insights about everything that happens in your mind and body but notice the aim of meditation is not to hope that that pain goes away it's to not to do any jujitsu in your mind so that the pain goes away that would not be meditation um and this is where most people fail they would be like oh i'm experiencing x y and z problems with meditation um and by fail i don't mean like as a bad thing i myself has fell into that trap multiple times and in to some extent it's a natural progression but anyway you might be like hey i'm experiencing x y and z problems why is meditation not helping me and and like dude it was never supposed to and there's a lack of clarity on what the idea of meditation is so let's say uh, and this analogy was given to me by yuval harari who um uh at that time when i i emailed him he was not uh, that famous so he did respond um and he gave this analogy of having a bacterial infection so if you have a bacterial infection of course you're going to go suffer because you're going to feel fever you're going to feel uh, an upset stomach you're going to feel um just just disastrous right but if you have that bacterial infection the solution to that is not to observe that pain the solution to that is not to just hope that meditation or mindfulness somehow will resolve it the solution to that is taking antibiotics um and the same same goes with any other pain so you may not know the source of the pain occurring in your body but it's not it's not um treatable through meditation because the point of meditation is not to treat pain at all now of course as a side effect sometimes we do experience stress relief sometimes we do experience uh, peace and calm and focus and all of those good things but you may experience peace and calm and all of those things um uh, but you will those will not be necessarily causal always so there can be times in which you meditate and you actually feel unfocused and you meditate and you feel scattered and you feel bad it is it's completely unrelated and your job as a meditator is to observe that reality as it is and the point of meditation is to develop such a such a clear understanding of reality that you clearly understand suffering and happiness and indeed what i am saying is part of that clear understanding of meditation itself so any amount of state change uh then you are not doing mindfulness meditation then you're doing something else now of course again i'm not saying it can't be helpful and not that state does not change but uh 
you cannot predict that necessarily. There are many, many other factors that predict that state change. Um, so just to be clear that, that mindfulness has nothing precisely to do with state change necessarily. And the other mistake, and this is a mistake I made quite often, is to treat meditation in a very perfectionistic attitude. So it's like, if I do five minutes a day, I saw that I'm experiencing some benefits. Now, of course, I do more and I experience more benefits, right? Well, again, that's not true because, again, you're looking for state change there. Um, and so the purpose of meditation is not to become a meditator. Like, there's no benefit in actually being good at sitting in the cushion. The purpose of meditation is to develop insight. Um, and so just the amount of time on the cushion is not as important as the insight that you've developed. A lot of people sit on the cushion for years and they become these expert meditators and even teachers, but they may not have developed insight because they're just perhaps mind-wandering or perhaps just like single-pointedly focusing, which is a different style of meditation. And so they might develop some mental athleticism of to focus or to whatever, but uh, they may not get insight in itself. Um, and so most people who go to meditation retreats are looking for state changes and they're looking or they're looking to be like achievement oriented. And you know, like, like me, I want to clock in hours so that I'm considered an expert. And uh, in fact, that is quite, quite contrary. Then you're just producing more suffering. Uh, and the purpose of meditation, by the way, was to reduce suffering. So there is no reason to meditate a lot. Like the purpose, again, is not to become a meditator, but to understand the nature of reality as it pertains to suffering, impermanence, the nature of self, and so on. And all of these, if you're interested in what are these insights, then uh, I have made a whole video on that called The Lessons I've Learned from a Decade of Meditation or something along those lines. I invite you to check that out and hopefully that will help you clarify Um the, the true purpose of meditation and help you understand the true purpose of meditation. Um, so I've spoken a lot in this episode and hopefully it, it is of some help. Um, I guess the final thing I want to say is if you are suffering through any challenges and risks of meditation, know that I'm, I'm sorry for you and I feel you and I've been there and it's, it's not you and it's not that you are not meditating hard enough and it's not that you are failing in some way. There's This is part of it might as well and quite likely is in the category of things that you have no direct control over. It's part of a larger social, psychological, physical spectrum. And you, we probably would not know the true cause of it sometimes also. Um, but what I can say is it's okay to stop. It's completely okay. And in fact, that's not even the purpose of meditation. Like I feel my strength of insight has grown ever since I've had this understanding of it's not about becoming a meditator it's not about clocking hours it's not about um, achieving a certain state of mind and in fact it could be a parallel track so anything about state changes and achieving certain mental states should be done in parallel with meditation when you're just observing these are not contradictory things so when you have a, a bacteria infection you can observe the pain as it comes, as it goes, and that will help you detach from the suffering of it. But at the same time, you need to take antibiotics, which will relieve that pain in itself. So this this is where the distinction of pain and suffering comes in. And I invite you to check that video I made on the lessons that I learned through meditation. Um, 
So know that these are parallel tracks. So you should absolutely be seeking help for getting physical relief. So visit doctors, visit psychiatrists, psychologists, whatever works. Now, of course, I do know there is a problem that most psychologists and psychiatrists will not be aware of the meditation context, and then you'll have some friction there. And I'm sorry about that. There is just um, the system, and indeed, most psychologists and psychiatrists may not be good enough just uh, by de- by virtue of um, the field is just developing, and we don't have like concrete answers in the area of mental health. So there could be a bit of a struggle, and if you are on that spectrum of more serious side of that spectrum, then I'm sorry, and I'm, I feel you, and I I do invite you to seek help and seek professional help and get to. Uh, the good news is there is more things coming out. Reach out to um, uh, these psychiatrists or psychologists who might know about what's going on, or they're just good psychologists in themselves. But absolutely, feel free to take a break and focus on your nutrition, which I absolutely recommend. like get your blood panel done or something like that again i'm not a doctor but you can obviously speak to doctors and tell them about um there could be like nutritional problems or the fact that you had sleep phase change and so on and hopefully that will help improve your state and give you a whole holistic development of your mind and body and you're not solely reliant on meditation as a means to improve your mental health because if you have bad mental health the purpose of meditation there is to just observe that too and you're just getting a clear understanding of reality even there but it will not solve it and the solution will come from a different parallel track and i invite you to pursue the feeling better track separately than from your meditation pursuit so just decouple that feeling good from meditation they they absolutely don't have anything to do with each other as well as mindfulness goes negative emotions are as much as part of mindfulness as positive ones but uh, the state change while meditation might be helpful should and should come from something else so this could be breathing exercises nutrition food talking to people social connection hugging um you name it exercise all right so i'm going to stop there this has gone on for long so thank you very much for listening and i'm going to speak at the after show so see you there All right, welcome to the after show of understanding emotions. Um, so, just a few announcements. The first thing I want to say is uh, I'm trying to be more video friendly now. Uh, sorry that the, the, there's been a bit of a, um, inconsistency in my schedules. Although I've still maintained the once a month roughly podcast, but I'm trying to be at both places, uh, video and audio. And so, hopefully, um, you will be able to join me on YouTube. But if not, then this podcast will always be audio friendly and if it is not then i'll try to warn you in advance so that you have video on you so the video will be on youtube uh the audio will be everywhere uh and there will be like short form videos uh more topical videos that are posted on instagram which actually right now is the most popular medium out there there's like about 10000 people of you 10000 of you who are listening there so that's brilliant uh and so if you don't haven't checked out my instagram this might be a good time to do that um The second thing would be um I am going to move uh also to try and incorporate guests and have people and have conversations around mental health psychology and so on. So I'm looking forward to that. Um if you have any questions or if you have any comments um I would appreciate that and you can um 
go to the contact section of the website and I think I've just put my email address there. You can just send me an email and that will be the best. But there's probably also a contact from somewhere linked in here and that, that also comes to me eventually. Um, other than that, thank you very much for listening. Uh, please subscribe to this podcast and share this podcast with whoever you think might benefit from it. I hope this added some value to your life. I hope uh, I was of help. Um, and uh, if you thought it was worth it, please do share it with people. It really helps out a lot. It helps the podcast grow and it keeps me motivated knowing that people are not just like, it's not just numbers cranking up or down, but these are like real people who are benefiting and this deep understanding of mental health. So what I'm trying to do here is not just have these feel-good comfort advice of mental health, but really have a solid, strong, insight-based understanding of mental health. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for listening. This is Sankalp signing off. Bye.